Welcome back, sci-fi fans, to the Science Fictionary podcast presented by thesciencefictionary.com. I'm Andrew Gore. I'm here today with Marisha. Hello. And David. Hey, everyone. And tonight we're going to continue our X-Files uh, conversation where um, I'm kind of helping guide Marisha and David through. Marisha's seen some of these. David is kind of experiencing X-Files completely for the first time. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. we've walked through, I'm, I'm, the way I'm doing these is I'm pulling select episodes. So there are a few episodes we've kind of skipped over in season one. Season one is re- if X-Files is really hard for me to pass any of them up. Yeah, uh, we keep thinking we're passing him up, and then a couple of weeks later, he's like, "And go back and watch that one." Well, it's because of the kind of the way I'm, and you'll see tonight with yeah. kind of the way I'm grouping some of these. Right. But this is going to kind of bridge us into season two because next week I'll give you all the uh, I'll give you all the episodes here probably tomorrow. But uh, next week, well, tonight we're doing three. Monster of the Week episodes that I would, if we were creating subgenres of the X Files, I would put all three of these in the same lump. Mm-hmm. And sure. next week we will go back to the mythology to introduce y'all into where the mythology picks up in season two. So, what we call this lump? Creepy things try and eat you? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, paranoia. Trapped in a uh, remote place while yeah. creepy things try to eat you. Yeah. Yeah. It's very Something much like a, a nature horror mm-hmm. um, kind of thing. Um, but we've got. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so just so you know, the episodes that we did, if you listened to the episode earlier this week, tonight we're covering from season one, the episodes ice and. Darkness Falls, and then from season two, the episode Firewalker. And um, I guess first off, I just kind of want to get y'all's, we can kind of go through them episode by episode, but as a whole, what did y'all think of these three episodes? Creepy. Well, um, unfortunately, I didn't actually have time to watch these. I instead watched, uh, I was too busy watching John Carpenter's The Thing. Um, (laughs) Oh, wait, that was these episodes. Um, which is not a complaint. John Carpenter's The Thing is, is, is one of my favorite movies, um, ever. And this is obviously heavily inspired by that. I think, um, especially ice. Yeah. Um, that was my first thing was like, Oh my God, we're watching the thing. But I, I, I absolutely loved them. Uh, I think it did the, the paranoia very, very well. Mm-hmm. In all three episodes, I always love the mystery of what's going on. We got more stuff about like new life forms and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. man, there are a lot of aliens on Earth, huh? They really have been here for a long time. But also, it's kind of cool because is it an alien life form or is it just like an undiscovered life form on Earth? But then there's just stuff about like a comet crashing and all that being stuck in the ice, um, right? And obviously, it all, I mean, like the crazy parasites and stuff, um, that that show up it's very alienist uh it's also like i like how it's based kind of in real life science a couple of them you know mm-hmm. talking about especially um in firewalker talking about how it's like a silicone based life form which is like a thing that has been speculated on for years mm-hmm. in real life because it's the closest thing to carbon so i do think that is very cool 
I think the episodes are very well directed and shot. I'm always so impressed by the cinematography in X-Files. Mm-hmm. It's so ahead of its time and so different from every other show. And every episode itself is like its own little movie. Um, the way it's shot and the way the stories are told. Um, the production values are always great. There were some beautiful shots in all these episodes. Um, I love the scenery. Um, it's pretty obvious that they go like on location to film all this stuff. They had to like going into the mountains and mm-hmm. used to get some of these shots going into the woods. Um, they're always very different environments that our characters are in. Um, I loved all the side characters um, in, in, in these episodes. I thought they were some of our coolest characters we got yet. Um, they were so great that, like, Firewalker could have been a movie. Like, that's a movie. Absolutely. Starring starring um, the guy with the burns all over his face, whose name I forgot now because it's been a couple of days since I saw the episode. Sorry. Um, mm-hmm. Like, that, that's a movie. That's a whole same, – same for Ice. I mean, Ice is a movie. It's the thing. Um, <laughs> uh, these could be their own episodes. Um, the most memorable ones for me were Ice and Firewalker because, honestly, I'm sitting here right now and I can't... Oh, no, The Woods. Okay, it was in The Woods. Um, like right. For some reason, I just went blank on what was the other episode. It was my least favorite of the three. It was still fine. It was still good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, Firewalker and Ice were, like, top tier for me. Those are great. I love the characters in them. I really, really do. Um, lots of fun. I, I love these episodes. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like, honestly, that they may be more than just similarly themed. Like, the fact that they talked about the volcanic eruption, you know, in the tree rings, and that that, you know, could have been a factor in these parasites becoming trapped in the tree. And mm-hmm. then the the, uh, the next episode that we watched actually dealt with going into a volcano. Um, so it kind of, it's one of those things that you feel like if they had decided to go that direction that could have been the the thing about x-files is there's all these things it's like and this could be the the direction the mythology goes you know things that kind of recur and you're like okay Mm -hmm. well this could be the thing um so that's always kind of interesting uh with x-files yeah now um the two that you're that you were mentioning were your favorite two ice and firewalker uh, David Nutter directed those who you may not catch the name, but the man has just a huge pile of directing credits to his name, including nine episodes of Game of Thrones. Oh. Uh, he, he did like 15 episodes of the X-Files. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, done a, he's done a whole mm-hmm. bunch of, of different things over the years. Yeah, I can tell they're directed by the same person. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Now, they did catch some flack for Firewalker for it being so similar to previously done episodes. Hmm. Interesting. Because, yeah, the same kind of Mm -hmm. the paranoia and the distrust and the science and the, you know, delving into things that people aren't supposed to know. But, I mean... Team, Team in a place goes missing. What's going on? Right. I mean, but it kind of works because the thing is, if you if if you had a real life department that dealt with this kind of weird stuff, you would expect that there would be similar things that would be recurring. 
that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. And you know what? It's maybe this was different. I understand that perspective, um, especially like when you're watching them for the first time as they're coming out. But watching them like recurring, like that's it's fine with me. Like it, it wasn't a problem or distracting or anything. I en- I actually enjoyed the kind of like theme of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, though, I'm sure like watching it as it was coming out might have been annoying. Uh, you know, watching Firewalker and you're like, oh, for the third time, we're getting mm-hmm. this kind of plot. Yeah. But I thought they were different enough mm-hmm. that it was okay. Especially right. with the different side characters it, that were so fleshed out in each of them. And you did have three different writers. Really? Uh, that, that handled these three episodes. Yeah. Um, Ice was done by Glenn Morgan and James Wong, who have done, who did tons of. Mm-hmm. The X Files episodes. Darkness Falls was actually written by Chris Carter, who created the X Files. Okay. And Firewalker was written by Howard Gordon, uh, who I know the least about of the three. Um, but David Nutter directed the first and the third one, but someone else, let's see, Joe Napolitano directed Darkness Falls, which. All three are good episodes. These are not my favorite episodes, but I thought they all follow a similar theme of whether, you know, something ancient being uncovered. um, Something ancient and sinister. Right. Is it, is it alien or is it, is it something old and of this earth? You know, Mulder talks about some of these things being um, the thing. I don't know if y'all call like the, the, what, Pot, what Mulder believed produced the insects in Darkness Falls was also uh, volcanic eruptions. Right, right. Yeah, well, that's kind of what I was talking about with the going back to the volcano. It's like you could argue that this is even the same event, you know, could have been behind. Um, right. Or or the same. Right, which is why you were like, this could be the mythology. Is that the right. story of the, yeah. of the show? Right. <laughs> volcanic eruptions. These, these are three episodes that I just... I watched them and immediately, you know, have always closely associated these three episodes. Mm-hmm. If you had told me the same person wrote all three of these episodes, I would have believed you. Mm-hmm. But just kind of going back and let's go back to Ice. That's the first one. And and we kind of do see, I'm sure after y'all watched Firewalker, you were like, you know, there. I'm sure you caught the Mulder being like, well, I don't know. I don't think you should come. And mm-hmm. she's like. You got to get over it. I'm back. So mm-hmm. I'm sure there were some things in there that left y'all with questions. Mm-hmm. So we will back yeah. up to the mythology episodes where that stuff's going to come into play to answer those questions for y'all. Right. But backing up to ice, just as far as I, like you said, I mean, John Carpenter's The Thing was definitely an inspiration. Also, John Campbell's 1938 novella, Who Goes There, yeah. was also cited as, as an influence for this, mm. uh, which it may have also been an influence for the thing. Right. As well as um, there was a science journal that they were reading and, and uncovered um, excavations. Uh, Morgan about excavations and ice and, uh, you know, finding 250,000-year-old items encased in ice. Mm-hmm. and. So all of those things kind of combined were, were kind of the the feeling they went for. But I, I thought that in a lot of ways, they, as far as, you know, like David, you were talking about the thing, I think they pulled off that kind of, if you had 
done this as kind of a retelling of the thing. If that had been the sole inspiration, I really think you did a good job of conveying all that stuff. I agree. I loved my favorite part of the episode is that like period of time where they're trying to figure out who who killed who 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 committed the murder. Mm-hmm. Which one of us is, is infected? Right, right. Is it Mulder? Is it is it Scully? Even is it one of those other two? The distrust, the like teaming up. I love the social dynamic of that. Like instantly, paranoia sets in, and you turn against each other. When obviously you need to stick together. If all four of you sit in the same room, nobody's getting murdered. Right. Um, you know, watching each other, but you know, things were differently. I, I loved that. I loved that. Like, and you, it kept me guessing. I was like, D- is it Mulder? Right. You know, like, is he infected or, or is it Stoli? Is it, well, you know, what, what it's, I love, you know, they're pointing, gu- Mulder's freaking out and Stoli's pointing a gun at him because he won't chill the hell out. And it's right. like, is he infected? It's great. It, it was, they really did pull it off well. Right. And this was one of the most critically acclaimed episodes of the entire first season. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't remember details about a lot. I mean, because I watched the first couple of seasons of X-Files all the way through. And there were a lot of them that I did not remember. But this one, I remembered. Like, he was going down, you know, like the things. And I was like, oh, yes. I remember the creepy, you know, Antarctic or Arctic. I don't remember. One of the poles. Very cold place and the ice and the, you know, and the paranoia and the murder and the, all the things like it's, it sticks. It's a stick with you kind of episode. Yeah. Well, and up to this point, I mean, see, we've kind of stepped back. I mean, you gotta remember this is just episode eight Mm -hmm. of a brand new series at the time. And uh, at this point in time, these are a very different take on the monster of the week. Than what we had seen yep. previously. Um, and that the monster of the week is is not, you know, a person or a mutant. It, it's literally two, like, ancient parasitic worms. So you, you do get some, some difference there. But may, maybe my favorite of the three. There are things I really like about Darkness Falls. But... You know, as far as for me, this is not one of my favorite episodes of the X-Files, but it's an interesting where we look at something different as as the villain. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least the, the, what is the monster, what our monster of the week actually is. You know, it's not mm-hmm. malevolent. Right. You I mean, know, it doesn't, it, it's not, you know... It's just primal, mm-hmm. and it's just a organism trying to survive. Um, and those are always interesting stories because, you know, the ones that aren't necessarily a sentient, evil creature trying, you know, it's not a conspiracy. It's not evil aliens kidnapping people. It's just... This thing that we don't know how to control, don't know what it is, don't know where it comes from. And in some ways, that's almost scarier because at least with evil people, you have some reference for how bad people work. But like, you know, crazy weird ice monster? Uh, What does the crazy ice monster do? Who knows? (laughs) 
Yeah. Right. And of course, all three of these somewhat deal with the same horror trope of of isolation, mm-hmm. uh, kind of the cabin in the woods. I mean, one of them literally does the cabin in the woods. It's mm-hmm. a little different than your typical cabin in the woods horror scenario, but they're all three doing that isolated from anyone that can help you mm-hmm. scenario. Moving into the second one, what did y'all think about Darkness Falls? It was probably, now, it was fine. It was great. It's probably my least favorite of the three. Still good. Um, it just didn't click with me as well for some reason. The other two, I just, like, I like the, the I think I, I like the settings of the other two a lot more. Um, so I was just really hooked on them more. Also, I liked the side characters in mm-hmm. the other two. Yeah. Um, a bit more, so I was a bit more invested. Um, I, I, it's find it hard to, I found it hard to get invested in Darkness Falls for some reason. Um, that logging guy was not very simp- a very sympathetic character, was he? No, he was not. He was like, he was one of the, like, we've been watching um, Lost in Space, and there's one character that Andrew says, I'm going to be so happy when they, somebody pushes her out in airlock. <laughs> Yeah, and right up funny. until the next episode we watched, and it actually made you feel bad for her. Right. I know. And honestly, that's the series has done that really well, being like, oh, I wish they would just push it. And like, oh. <laughs> um, but but I, that's how I felt about this uh, this <laughs> uh, well, they logging did a, company guy. Right, and they, they took an interesting look at, I mean, this one's definitely, it just gets into ecology. Mm-hmm. Um, with... You know, in ecological issues with, we've kind of get multiple, you know, the three people, Mulder and Scully show up, and then there's these three people they're mm-hmm. dealing with, and it's the logger, the forester, and the person that's the, the eco-terrorist. Right. And putting them all in there and it, together, and so that you see the different sides of, you know, you really probably relate most with the forester who's like, I agree in principle with their ideas, but I can't condone their tactics. Right. And uh, then those daggum booby traps he leaves in the road winds up getting his own self killed. Right. Yeah, it was... Um, I was trying to remember, there was something, we were watching it, and I was like, oh, it's basically, what was it that, I, that it, it reminded me of? I don't know. I was talking to you. I rely on you for these things, love. I literally, I was ordering dinner earlier, and I was like, Andrew, what is that thing that I want? <laughs> he had to tell me what it was I wanted to order. Um, <laughs> all right, we're just going to have to cut this out, because I, I've been sitting here trying to remember what it was. I was watching it, and I was like, "Some another episode with things in cocoons. And I don't like creatures that put things in cocoons. <laughs> I just no, you do not. Uh, do it was not. probably made you think of there was an episode of Stargate. Yes, there was. That's what it was. There was an episode of Stargate that we watched um, a couple of weeks ago with the kids. Speaking of dead, not like Elijah had an ever loving fit, and it was just like it was pretty much the same thing. It was like these evil par- these parasites that you know like took over host bodies and took all their nutrients and put them in cocoons mm-hmm. so that it could grow more. It was pretty much so I wonder what 
because I think they must both be drawing from the same trope because they were way, way similar. Well, I would suspect that to some extent the Stargate episode was drawing from this X-Files episode. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> it was a few years later, so. Yeah. yeah. Um. This that that one is um. I don't know that that one's interesting, but it, it mostly gets into like we we know what the real world consequences of over harvesting trees and mm-hmm. why we don't cut down old growth timber and but this puts a whole new spin on on the the cutting down old growth timber and the horrors of I mean it's really like I don't you know Evil Dead a lot of what uh, the Evil Dead franchise was the first movie is. It's essentially nature exacting its revenge on people. and mm-hmm. um, Like, oh, you want to cut down this big old tree that you're not supposed to be cutting down? Huh. Right. We'll show you, but you don't cut down any more trees this old. Uh, David, did you have any other thoughts on Darkness Falls? Uh, no, not really. I mean, just another solid episode of, of the show. Yeah, this one I think was, I, I, part of it feels, the end of it feels kind of empty, but at the same time, this one ends with nobody really getting to be the hero and save the day. Mm-hmm. Like they just managed to just barely scrape by. Right. You know, and, you know, Mulder's innate kind of goodness, actually, in this one, people actually live up, that someone actually lives up to how good he thinks people can be. You know, he trusts somebody and everybody's like, you are such an idiot. You let that guy go and take all our fuel. Right. And he actually, you know, comes back for them when he didn't have to. So, you know, it's kind of nice to yeah, see that was nice. him vindicate a little bit in his, uh, his trust for human humanity. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. That was very nice. All right, now moving on to the third one. This is episode nine of season two. Uh, so this is this is after we get it back. The uh, this is season two. The rev- the the viewership is up. The production quality is up. The budgets are up. It's this is the the show is really beginning to soar, and so this one in a lot of ways. I mean the the film the Cinematography was always good on the X Files, mm-hmm. but season two, by the end of season one and moving into season two, you really see it kind of find what it is and and latch on to that. And so this is kind of the one I'm most interested in seeing what y'all thought about. Um, even though in some ways it's a rehashing, but it, in some ways it's not because it deals with some more sci-fi elements in the silicon-based life life form, which. Uh, Mulder talks about, I mean, it, it's still, I mean, even, you know, back then when that episode came out and still like, that's like one of the Holy grails mm-hmm. of science is yep. proving that there's such a, that, that silicone based life forms can exist. Right. Even on, um, big bang theory, uh, Sheldon's got a DNA helix of a, uh, what a silicone based life form, you know, could look like. <laughs> but what did y'all think about? Firewalker. I don't know what it was, but something about this episode really, really stuck out to me, and I just loved it. 
Um, like so, maybe it was just the setting, um, the side character, something about it that was just like super cool. The, even the name Firewalker. Um, uh, the opening, uh, I really like the guy. And once again, it's been a couple of days in the series. I forgot the side characters' names. Uh, but the, just the guy in the opening who comes to see Mulder uh, and Scully, I really liked him. I think it's great when like someone comes and finds Mulder and Scully and, and wants their help, um, you know, seeking them out. Um, and it's like, what's going on? I think that was great. Um, I love the setting. I love the shots. I loved the guy who was who had like you know the burned skin and he was hunting down his uh, other um his fellow uh scientists because they were infected and something about that was really really cool and just like super you know um what's the word i'm looking for so then about it was just super like dark and edgy but in a cool way like dark hero like damaged man who has to do this thing and like kill his friends mm-hmm. they were all infected with this spore and he's like you know probably in so much constant pain because he's like you know burned and just really really great um so then about this episode i really really enjoyed i like the the when the spore bursts out of the throat and oh. it's like a chestburster from 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 alien i i we're watching it and i was like that that creature's getting ready to go all aliens on that mm-hmm. guy's throat, isn't he? Andrew says, I don't know. I don't remember. I don't believe for one <laughs> second you didn't remember. You did. You knew. Yeah. Well, you just wanted funny, me to like, have to experience well, I it. it I was like, I really hope they show it. Because I thought they were going to, like, you know, cop out and, like, not. No, they showed. They did the first did. time. They didn't show did, the right. first one. I was like, oh, good. See, I had this exact opposite. I was like, oh, I please. I, I was like, oh, good. They didn't show it. And then the next time they did. And I was like, oh, man. Right. And then, like, when the lady falls back and, like, it's like, oh, man, she fell back through the window. I'm not going to see it. <laughs> and then, nope, we, we saw it. There it it goes. was freaking gross. <laughs> it was freaking gross. And these are the two camps of people watching X-Files, the people who were like, oh, geez, I hope they don't show that nasty thing. And the one like, ooh, how cool mm-hmm. is it going to be? Oh. <laughs> um. <laughs> The only thing about that episode that I don't, that I don't, it's not that I don't like it, but that's weird to me. Uh, Trepko's, uh, Dr. Trepko's, the mm-hmm. one that's uh, hiding out in the mm-hmm. steam vents and stuff. Right. Yeah. That's um, Bradley Whitford, who plays the, um, he's in Billy Madison. And it's the Billy Madison's foil in that, that is, in that movie. And that's hilarious. I have a real hard time seeing him in a serious role <laughs> because of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, that's overall, it's, it's a really good episode and it, it's, and do a lot of stuff. And it, it's, it's one of those, it, it takes them a little while. It takes Mulder and Scully a little bit to figure out what's actually happening. And well, because um, the thing is they're assuming that all the people that they find are actually telling them the real story right because it turns out they're it's clear like a lot of these people know things that they're not telling us but you know 
it, it becomes clear that they've they've kind of been getting their their information from they thought they were getting information about the crazy person and they were getting information from crazy people. Right. You know, basically. A nice twist. Yeah. Uh, okay. So now here's the one thing I, I never could quite figure out. Why did, um, why did Trepkus or Trepkos kill that scientist? He strangled, Pierce, right? That scientist at the beginning. But why didn't he kill Mulder whenever he saw Mulder show up? So why why was why was Pierce a threat but Mulder wasn't? Did That's I miss something? Question. There okay, so this is why this is my least favorite of the three episodes. Is there's a couple of things that I don't fully understand about that episode. Mm-hmm. One, like, he strangles this first guy, and then he's totally forgotten about. Mm-hmm. Right? Unless, although we didn't see who, that it was Trepkos that strangled the guy, did we? I thought we did. Yes, because we heard him say, nobody leaves here when he dropped the body, and we saw his burnness. Okay. Right. So, yeah, so he, he strangles the first guy, and then he's forgotten about him. Mulder, at the end, Mulder's just like, it's over. Just let him go. Like, you know, whatever. So, it's... So is is the the creepy thing coming out of the girl's throat not cannot infect anybody anymore? Because he goes and picks her up and carries her like down towards that volcano at the okay, end. Okay, Scully observes that unless someone is in pro- close proximity when the spores first open up, okay, that it basically it is once it's exposed to the air for a couple minutes, it's dead. Okay. You have to pretty much be exposed. Mm-hmm. Immediately. Okay. All right. All right. So that was the thing. Because I, I got that. I thought she was basically singing with dormant, but basically they died without an immediate right. host. All and right. kind of the other nuts thing it, to me is the girl handcuffing Scully mm-hmm. to herself. To me, that kind of comes out of nowhere. Right. Do we see, I mean, although we do see the, whatever the entity is, it does seem to affect the host brain in a way that it wants to. Right. And that's the only real explanation for it. It wants a host. Cause they're like, they're like, we got to, we have to get out of here. That's what they keep saying. They all just keep saying, we just want to leave. We want to leave. We want to go. We want to get on that helicopter, you know, and it's not like a normal, I'm tired of being here. It definitely has kind of, um, Oh, it has sinister undertones, like we need to leave. And I and mm-hmm. I'm like watching this, I was like, Yeah, there's something that wants out of containment, basically. Yeah. All right. So unless anybody has any more thoughts, then we will move on from the X Files into our second topic. Yeah, I think I've about out of things to say. Okay. All right, so the next thing we're going to do, we talked about this a little bit on the on last week's episode, that one of the things that we're going to be doing off and on for the rest of the year is going to be uh, sort of like our Pillars of Sci-Fi, Pillars of Fantasy series, but a little bit shorter bits. Um, and we're going to our Mount, it's a Mount Rushmore series. So I think we're starting off tonight with our Mount Rushmore of Superheroes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, this to me of, of all the ones that we can do I think this is the one we're all going to 
I think we'll settle this one faster than a lot of the others. Yeah. If if I'm if I'm gonna predict what we're gonna come up with tonight, I think we're all gonna agree on three, and then the fourth one is gonna be up for grabs. I think that you are correct, one hundred percent. Just to make things a little different, just to throw out some there, I have some honorable mentions. Yeah, that I think will be fun to mention. But when it comes to like you know, building the mountain and saying this is what it's going to be. Like, if we're trying to come to a consensus on these are the four, then then I think that, yeah, the, the third one's going to be up in the The fourth one's going to be up in the air. But I think you're right. There's going to be three we all agree on. And then I have a couple, like, obscure ones that I have, like, some, some arguments for uh, just to, you know, kind of mix it up a bit. All right. Awesome. Well, David, I'll let you kick it off. What What, what would be your first suggestion oh uh, the first suggestion well you know what i I'll, I'll um get this one out the way my first suggestion is the first superhero superman of course um, it's gotta be super, super superman. superman i mean obviously that's one of the three that we're gonna agree on superman is the superhero um he's very much seen as the first superhero it was uh action comics number one and I believe it was 1937 um, was, the, uh, was the year that that was released. Um, probably the most iconic, one of the most iconic symbols in the world. One of the most iconic characters. It's a story that everybody knows. Boy from a dying world is sent to Earth, raised by kind couple, becomes Superman. Um, Superman Clark Kent's an incredible character. Um probably an underrated one in the way that like people don't always talk about how great of a character he really is and well written, how well has been developed over the years, how he's, he's really, isn't just a boy scout. Um, he, he is really, really great. Uh, he's been in some of the most iconic superhero movies, especially superhero one, uh, Richard Donner's the Superman. I said superhero one, Superman, uh, one to Superman. Um, I don't know what else you can really say about it. It's Superman. Uh, everybody knows Superman. He is the superhero. Yep. Yep. I agree. I think, yeah, he was definitely, if Andrew would have asked me first, that would have been the first one I would have come out with. I mean, I, I don't know how, like, he has to be on there, and I don't know how he's not the first choice. Yep. But, so that's y'all's first choice also. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, if I if I had gone first, I would have said Superman. I think I think that I think we're all in agreement there. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I mean, I I don't think you could do this without Superman being on that mountain. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marisha, what would be your first? All right. So. Um, I'm going to. I'm going to do something sneaky and I'm going to pull out the one that um, may not be the most obvious uh, <laughs> Spider-Man next choice. And I'm going to pull out Wonder Woman because, you know, I think if and not having been a big comic book person, you know, that was never something that was really kind of in my wheelhouse just as far as superheroes that you know about, 
right? Superheroes that you know the name of, you know what they look like, you know what they stand for. That's one that even if you've never cracked open a comic book, even if you've never watched a Wonder Woman TV show, you know who Wonder Woman is and what she's about. So that's my... Uh, she's that's definitely my... The, the definitive female superhero. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's for sure. So I'm willing to put Superman on on the mountain. Right. Wonder Woman. For sure. I think that like maybe we ought to hear some other All right. names some first. Cases. Now that's me. Like if both of y'all think yeah. that Wonder Woman should be up there just automatically, then we'll put it up there. All right, we'll we'll talk I it. think that, that I think Wonder Woman's gonna be the one where there's two more that we're gonna agree on. And then there's going to be a fight for the last spot. Yeah, and I think yeah. Wonder Woman is is strongly in that fight for the fourth spot. For sure. Yeah. For sure. All right, so Andrew, you got to make your case. I, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and just pick one of the others that I, I feel like we're putting up there, and, that, and that's Spider-Man. As, Definitely. As we said in our last episode, far and away, like not even a competition most lucrative superhero franchise. Yeah, it, by by almost triple the next closest. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you're talking about another one of, I mean, not as old as, as Superman, but, you know, 25 years later. Mm-hmm. You're talking about a character created by the father of the modern comic book in, yeah. in Stan Lee. And you're talking about his... Not just his one of his creations, but his pet mm-hmm. creation, his his baby. The definitive superhero character of that generation. Yes, and, and a character that was built and, and you know, a lot of times characters, superheroes, they're superheroes and they're these gods. They're mm-hmm. they're these characters that you just can't quite fully relate to because mm-hmm. they're so big. But Spider-Man was written to be the character that you can mm-hmm. Put yourself in those shoes and, and experience his problems. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or really, more accurately, that especially if you're a teenager, he's experiencing your problems. Right. And exactly. for, for those reasons, I, I'm just going to go ahead and put Spider-Man on the list. Yeah, I've said it before many times, and I'll continue to say it forever. Spider-Man is in my life, the most important fictional character of all time. He means so much to so many people. He's easily the most, to my opinion, he's the most relatable superhero ever created. Yeah. Um, he was created to be relatable. It's an origin story everybody knows. Um, kid is bit by radioactive spider. Uncle is murdered. Mm-hmm. Becomes superhero. Um, you know, it's funny because he's supposed to be this you know, relatable character, but not everybody's parents died and then moved in with their aunt and uncle and then uncle died and only lives with his aunt. You know, it's like, it's kind of, Mm -hmm. it is kind of a, it is a little bit like, it's a little different. It's not, if it was like, if it was made to be like 100%, everyone can relate to it. It would just be live at home with parents. Right. But Here's why I find that to be a good thing because he's relatable through his struggles, not mm-hmm. necessarily where he came from. You know, right. but even though it was like a small town thing, um, set in New York, which is you know the most iconic superhero city. Right. Even though it's a real city, like right. all of Marvel is New York, pretty much. Mm-hmm. 
you have Metropolis and Gotham and stuff like that, but like New York is is um, is Marvel and Metropolis and Gotham are New York. Yeah. Um, he has one of the best uh, rogues gallery of any superhero. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure we'll, we'll have to do a, a, a Mount Rushmore of villainy. Absolutely. Eventually. And, and I'm sure some of one of his might end up on there. Oh, uh, I'm sure. Those, I mean, you've got interesting rogues gallery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, I don't see if you, I don't know if you can even argue against if you put Spider-Man and, and Batman out there and said they have the most interesting rogues gallery, I don't know if you can argue with that. Yeah. I can't think of anybody who even comes close. Um, I mean, there are, there are, there are great villains, mm-hmm. but most superheroes have one, one, maybe two iconic villains. Spider-Man and Batman have d- at least half a dozen each, mm-hmm. like iconic villains. Villains, you can say that's my, that's their arch nemesis. Spider-Man's up there. I love how colorful Spider-Man is. Um, Peter Parker's a great character. There have been, there have been some amazing stories. Some of the best stories I've ever read have been Spider-Man stories. You know, same thing for Superman. That's another great thing that I love about these characters. They're not just iconic. They actually have really good stories. Of yeah. Really good books that you should pick up and read. Um, mm-hmm. Spider-Man's always going to be relevant. Uh, Spider-Man as a brand has been able to evolve into other characters like Miles Morales, mm-hmm. like Gwen Stacy. You know, you have Spider-Verse and stuff like that. It, it, as a brand, it's expanded even more. I mean, that's really awesome that in 20 years, people are going to say Spider-Man and they're only talking about Miles Morales. Right. Because uh, that's who it's going to be to them. And that'll be the most iconic. But it all starts with Peter Parker. The um, cool thing about Spider-Man, really, as far as just how big it is, is that it's gotten to be this juggernaut where we've already talked about how much more it earns yearly in merchant global merchandising, but that you've got DC over here creating their comic universe, and you got Marvel over here creating their comic universe, and the Spider-Verse is so big that Sony is literally creating their own movie universe that all evolved from Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think you could do that with any other character. No, it would be very difficult. Maybe Batman. Maybe Batman. Yeah, that was going to be my... Uh, I mean, because that's kind of what Gotham was, right? Right. It's its, it's own... It's There's its a own lot little... of similarities between those two characters. Yeah. There is a lot, which is very, you know... When you think of... Uh, superficially, not really, but... Um, when you start thinking about it, yeah. Batman is the only one that it could possibly be. I mean, you had the Nolan Trinity, but that wasn't a universe. That was a... Right trilogy of movies mm-hmm. that they are making a spider verse i don't know if we're ever going to get a re- well we got joker but that wasn't like a joker movie you know like mm-hmm. we're not going to be getting you know actually you know batman could do it because you could have a nightwing movie you could have a robin movie you could have a batgirl movie batman could do it and spider-man can do it but that's it yeah Mm-hmm. Then you have the X Men, but that's a whole team. That's a whole team. That's thing. a whole bunch of characters, and so yeah, that doesn't work from the start. But I mean, yeah, I mean, Marvel. I mean, Fox was doing their own big comic franchise using that one thing, but it's still the X Men alone. Team. Are you know the X Men alone basically almost double the Marvel roster? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're talking about a, a massive franchise all by itself. Yeah, for sure. 
and a franchise that is almost equal size that is Spider-Man comes from one character, right. Spider-Man. And it's such a great, it's such a simple idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Spider. And it's so funny because, you know, I, I think I've, I've watched so many documentaries about it and Stan Lee was saying, like, wouldn't it be cool to crawl on a wall like a bug? And he sat there forever. I think what he said is he started with the first letter of the alphabet, Ant-Man, which, of course, became its own character. But then you had mm-hmm. Bug-Man. Then you had, um, like, Cockroach-Man. Like, you know, all these different, uh-huh. like, starting. And then he got to S, Spider-Man. And it just instantly clicked with him. Spider-Man. Everyone wants to be Spider-Man. Yeah. Spider-Man. And and that's where it all came from. Just, just that. And it's such a simple idea. And it's a kid is bit by a spider. It's it's even more Superman as a concept is, you know, Superman. He is the man who is strong and can fly to other things. But his origin is pretty complicated. You know, I know a second ago I said that everyone knows it, but like when you really think about it, on the planet Krypton and it's being explode so he goes on a rocket ship and he lands in camp like what mm-hmm. spider-man bit by spider yeah goes on field trip bit by spider yeah exactly pretty straightforward and if if you missed it then you can see it in a movie or in this other movie or <laughs> yeah or this cartoon or this other cartoon right or this other cartoon or this other cartoon right it's a it's a very widely um told story it's one of the you know it's a it's a very retellable i guess story yeah. uh, which is why they've retold it so many times right i mean i've always said that comic books are uh, modern mythology in the same way that the story of the greek god stories of greek gods are told and will be told to the end of time the story of spider-man is going to be told till the end of time yeah I think that's fair. All right, so that brings us back around to David, right? Yep. All right. Great. So I'm going to go ahead and hit what um, and this is this is where it's going to get fun because after I say this next entry, Marisha's then I think that y'all are going to agree with Marisha's already said her Wonder Woman. Andrew's going to give his wild card. I'll give my wild card. My next entry, of course, is Batman. Right. Of and course. And that's the other that's the one you guys had, right? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. It's, it's got to be Batman. Um, I almost didn't want to put Batman and Superman on here. Yeah. Because I was to. like, let's pick one DC. Yeah. But you can't not put both of them because nope. they're both so big in their own ways and represent their own things, even though they are um, both DC. They're characters who have been fighting over who is the face of DC. Yeah. Since they were. Since, 1930, since 1939. Yeah. Yeah, they've been back. It's been a back and forth thing, and it's an argument that still persists to this day. Who is the face of DC Comics, Batman or Superman? Right now, it's 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 Batman. Batman is is another one. Batman is the only thing that rivals Spider Man in terms of biggest franchise. But still, Spider Man has it beat by like triple. At least when it comes to like how much money they make. Um. Like some merchandising and stuff like that, but when it comes to say like movies, Batman's the only one who rivals Spider Man and like times rebooted and 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 stuff like that. Actually, it's been rebooted more than Spider Man, but you know what I'm getting at. Like Batman is, is very often its own universe. It's only one that rivals Spider Man. Batman, another like common theme that I found in these uh, characters is simple origin that everybody knows. 
and is a story that will be told forever. Boy's parents are murdered. He grows up, um, trains, and uses his wealth to fight crime. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the most iconic rogues gallery ever rivals Spider-Man. I'd say more iconic than Spider-Man's just because you have the Joker, you have Riddler, you have the Penguin, and then you have all the other ones, Poison Ivy, Cat Mr. Woman? Freeze, Bane. The, the, it, the rogues gallery never ends. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, you, there's always so much you can do. And that just helps boost him. And then as a character himself, Bruce Wayne is such a complex character. Has an iconic look. That's another thing we didn't talk about. Like The costume of Spider-Man is so simple and iconic. So is Batman. Mm-hmm. So there's so many things you can do to redesign it. Um, great cast of supporting characters. Robin's the most iconic sidekick of all time. Mm-hmm. I don't know what more you can say about Batman. Um, so I'll, I'll, let, I'll just let y'all go. I mean, you know, it's one of those, you go back, I mean, one, the origin of Batman is, is so old. It, it's one of the, it's one of the comics along with Superman that has really shaped what the modern comic book genre is. Mm-hmm. For for that alone, I think you have to consider it. Then when you look at the, the successful movie franchises, yeah. um, it's one of those things like you you can mention Batman anywhere in the world. People know who Batman is. No 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 Batman. Right, and that's it. From all the really dark and serious and gritty variations to the the just wacky TV show to I mean, so many fantastic iterations of this one character. Um, like David said, the incredible rogues gallery, a lot like Spider-Man, he's got, you know, he's, we mentioned he's got some similarities to Spider-Man, but it's, it's a darker story. It's like the villains match that. Yeah. If, if all the same things had happened to him, but the person who he had was a crotchety old military man. Instead of a kindly old aunt, you know, it's kind of the difference in being raised by a a gentle person or being raised by a hard person, you know, after tragedy. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that's I just don't know how you make this list without without Batman. But Marisha, that kind of brings us back around to you. Now, you've already put I've I've already thrown out my uh, my contender for the the um, debatable fourth spot, because I think the other three, I don't think there's really any argument for them. Okay. So I've already made my argument for Wonder Woman. Okay. But I'm just saying, there's if you want to put another one in the list, or if you're just sticking by uh, Wonder I'm, Woman. I'm sticking with Wonder Woman. Okay. That's my, I, that's my, my case, and I'm sticking to it. Now, this one is hard for me. Those first three are easy. Mm-hmm. Like, you say comic books, and those are the first three characters I think of. Mm-hmm. Not even necessarily. I'm a huge Captain America fan, mm-hmm. but these are still the first three. Even as a huge Captain America fan, these are the first three I go mm-hmm. to. Yeah, and for me, there are like maybe five or six characters that I, including Wonder Woman, that I think all kind of fall on this very even level for me, as far as who deserves that fourth spot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I'm, I'm really wrestling over who to put here because some of these characters have become bigger in recent years than they were originally. But I, I think that I'm just going to, in the kind of in the vein of what we've done and stayed with characters who are older characters who have helped shape comic books, I'm going to put Captain America as my, mm -hmm. as my possible fourth spot. You're talking about another character. I mean, in some ways, even though he's very different than Superman, in some ways he's not. And that's kind of my thought. He, he in he's, a lot of ways, seemed to kind of be Marvel's response to Superman. It's like, and we also have a big blue Boy Scout. <laughs> right. I mean, and that's what he, I mean, that's what he is. I mean, he's, he's the Boy Scout. He's the guy that's always going to do the right thing, no matter what it costs him. He's always going to do it. But we already have that guy on our mountain. We do, and that and that's an argument why someone else may belong. I still think Captain America is a fair person to be thrown out there. Oh, I, I do see too. Your point, Marisha. But what he's, you? you know, you're talking about another character that's had a huge influence on comics going forward. From there, mm -hmm. you're talking about, you're talking about some of the frames from some of those original Captain America comic books during World War II being some of the most iconic imagery of World War II. Mm -hmm. You know, cap punching, punching Hitler, Hitler in, in the, the jaw. Yeah, yep. it, it's mm -hmm. it's this this thing that that Cap stands for. That while I think the other heroes kind of stand for, it's really what Cap is. He stands up to the bully every time. Mm -hmm. Yep. And and that's a, that's something to look up to, and and it's very admirable. And um, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely would consider Captain America. For the list, I definitely agree. Um, one of the most iconic looks of any character. So simple. Just the American flag. Yeah. Basically. Um, one of the most... Um, one of the best characters. Steve Rogers is an incredible character. Especially in the modern era with the movies. One of mm -hmm. the most iconic characters. Right. Um, it's a great choice to throw up there. I mean, yeah. I mean, the the iconic imagery alone, yeah, um, of of who he is, has you know, in some way, you know, I would say in imagery he rivals Superman. Yeah, as far as that imagery of representing an era of Americana, right. So sure. that's that's my that's mine to put on here on the possible fourth spot. All right. So how about you, David? Who are you, who are you pitching? So I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> um, I'll just get some of the quick ones out the way. I considered the Incredible Hulk. Yeah. I also thought about Wonder Woman. I thought about um, a member of the Fantastic Four. Yep. I thought about Green Lantern. I thought about Flash. I thought about Daredevil. I thought about Green Arrow. But those those last three are kind of my uh, just personal ones. Um, I thought about Iron Man uh, because Iron Man, of course, now is probably one of the big. It's probably the biggest character just based on um, the movies, like yeah. with Robert Downey Jr. and stuff like that. Absolutely. And, and he definitely deserves to be thrown up there. But as a, you know, I'm thinking about superheroes and sort of in, the, in a way of comic books. Because, mm -hmm. um, you know, we talked about how Spider-Man, Batman, and Superman all like made it big in the movies. They've also been at the top of the comic book industry for years. Right. There's never been a time 
where Superman, Batman, and Spider-Man were not in like the top 10 comic books being sold every month. Right. Like, Iron Man, before Robert Downey Jr., he was a B-level character. Right. Um, now, of course, he's huge, and it's, I wouldn't argue. I'm surprised that neither of y'all said Iron Man, So that, but I'm not going to throw him out there. This is an honorable mention. Yeah, um, and, and I mean, the thing about Iron Man is if you made this list 10, 15 years from now, mm-hmm. you might have to give it. And Iron Man was definitely one of those. You named a lot of characters that I looked at. Green Lantern. It's, mm-hmm. it's like the one that like I was kind of looking at a list just to make sure I wasn't forgetting anybody. And I look, it's like, hey, the Flash pops up. It's like, man, how do you leave the Flash off of this list? How do you leave the Flash off? Especially when the Flash and Green Lantern are those characters that have like been around for generations like you have the uh like the original flashes and 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 green lanterns um from way back when right Right. um hard to leave them off um another character i considered and if we were doing now these are two characters that if we were doing the mount rushmore of comic book characters like graphic novels these two would have to be on there, but because it's called Superhero Mount Rushmore, I'm leaving these two off. But a very strong part of me wanted to put up Dr. Manhattan representing the Watchmen. Right. And Constantine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're, they're like because that's the, if it was just comic book characters, I mean, you can start throwing in people like Dredd, like Judge Dredd. Judge Dredd. That's another or great even, thing. Like just a yeah. comic con. So... Yeah, it's it's because we chose to do superheroes specifically. Those right. don't really work. But, um, but when you talk about graphic novels, Watchmen is the best graphic novel of all yeah. time, widely yeah. considered. And Doctor Manhattan's kind of the face of that, right? Um, so Doctor Manhattan, I did strongly consider, and then Constantine for a long t- there was there was a long time where like especially in the UK, Constantine was the biggest comic book character. Mm-hmm. Um, which the UK is a very large amount of the comic book market. So that's a strong one. He's very popular there. He's had a movie. He, he's kind of a sleeper character, but it's always been around. Um, and he's very iconic in his own way. But the one that I finally settled on after long thoughts was Wolverine. Mm-hmm. And the reason I did that was because I started thinking about like the most iconic comic book franchises and i thought let's superman batman spider-man and then what came up in my mind was the x-men there was a very strong there was a very long period of time from like the 70s to the early 2000s where the x-men were pretty much outselling everything right mm-hmm. the x-men were top were the top of marvel the most important part of marvel there's a reason that we had an X-Men movie before a Spider-Man movie. Um, there's a reason that we had the X-Men movie before um, uh, a proper Captain America. I know we had like that like old Captain America movie, but you know what I mean? Like a proper Captain America movie. Um, it was a money making franchise cow. And it still is like, it's a, it's a, it's a money cow. Um, mm-hmm. There always has to be an X-Men book. X-Men are such a huge part of Marvel. Um, and I had to think of who is the face of the X-Men and definitely the most iconic X-Men is Wolverine. So just because of that, just being the face of the X-Men, 
and being a really huge character himself, you know, I'd actually argue that Captain America or Iron Man or maybe even Hulk and definitely Wonder Woman are more iconic by themselves than Wolverine. But when I'm thinking, what, what my sort of, and y'all, and I'm definitely down to argue it, I, I'm definitely leaning towards either Captain America or uh, Wonder Woman. Those are great picks. But my argument is going to be the X-Men are an essential part of comic books. They're like, they, they, the X-Men are a pillar of comic books to themselves. Mm-hmm. The mutants, all of that. Right. And Wolverine is the face of that. Yeah. No, that's a great, that's a great choice for that reason, because it's, it's putting a face to a a group, a team that has been such an iconic group. And I, and I would say that pre-Fox movies that Wolverine wasn't really necessarily the face of, of the X-Men. I mean, a lot of people knew him, but mm-hmm, I would probably. say that once the Fox movies, once Hugh Jackman took on the role of Wolverine, Wolverine became the face of... Mm-hmm. Right. Of, he was always in the X Men. He was always the cool one. He was always the one right. that people liked more. Right. And he did get his own solo series. But when you thought about X Men, you really did think about the team. There wasn't really a because there were so many iconic characters: Cyclops, Jean Grey, could have been thrown up there. Professor Xavier himself. Um, but even people, X Men. Even people though, uh, read me who were not into, didn't watch superhero TV shows, didn't watch, like Wolverine was one that was recognizable. Yeah, it's a pop culture. It's, it's, it's he was one a pop that really culture. became a pop culture reference, and, a pop culture icon. And that's that's my argument um, against Captain America, is that it until it, it's, it was a very important cultural touchstone when it came out, and for, for a, but there was kind of a... Um, a lull in in Captain America lore. It wasn't one mm-hmm. that like I remember whenever we went to go see Iron Man with you right after we moved here. You were like, "They're gonna make an Avengers movie. The next one's gonna be Captain America." I was like, "You've got to be kidding me, Captain America! That's ridiculous." And you were like, "No, it's classic and it's this and that." Never in my life had heard Captain America. Um, but Wolverine now, Wolverine, like I could have told you Wolverine was, you know, little, little Marisha running around, not watching TV mm-hmm. and totally, you know, not being out of touch with all things pop culture. Wolverine was one that, uh, that I could have named for you. Yeah. All right. So, so we've got our, our three of these three, we've got to pick our fourth member. How, how are we going to do this? Are we going to, I mean, we all kind of given our arguments and, Frankly, I, I could vote for any of these three and, and be happy with our final list. Do we- I agree. What if we vote, but we can't vote for our own? There's still a chance it ends up in a tie. Okay. Okay. So if it, so, we do that, or do we uh, throw it to our Twitter followers and listeners? Ah. We might just have to throw it to our Twitter followers and listeners. I think that's a that's great a good point. Idea. We just we just need them to vote on Twitter, yeah, and announce the or or even give out their own picks for the fourth one. Maybe there's someone super obvious we're just forgetting. Yeah, that's a good idea. So why don't why don't we have a Twitter poll and we will announce the fourth <clears throat> Wonder Woman. We will announce the winner next week. Mm-hmm. Wonder Woman and Captain America both 
are great argument. I mean, I had them in my my I had them on my running list before y'all mentioned them. I really did think the same things. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, um, I mean, I, Captain I, America. I could vote, like I said, I could vote for any of these three and mm-hmm. be very happy with the final list. Yeah, they're all. The thing about Captain America, and you're right, Marisha said it right. Like there was a bit of a lull. Um, there was a time, you know, the whole frozen and ice thing. There was a time where, in real life where literally, mm-hmm. like after World War II ended, nobody used Captain America for like 30 years. Right. Mm-hmm. Until they decided, I think actually the first Avengers story is them finding Captain America and defrosting him. Yeah. Oh, also shout out to Namor. Because Namor was a big deal during World War II also. Right. Hmm. And the Human Torch. Uh, the original Human Torch, not the Fantastic Four Human Torch. <laughs> the original one. The right. Android. Okay, so are y'all all good with throwing this to our, our Twitter followers well, and listeners? Throw it to Twitter. I, I think so. Okay, and in the event of a tie, we'll, we'll vote. We will vote. Okay, but, sounds like a um, I think we're going to get some flack for not having Iron Man. We may, and, and the, the thing is, is hopefully, you know, hopefully you'll, you know, everybody will listen to the episode and hear our arguments for, for why. For but. why we have chosen these three as our type. And, and and some of us may be on Twitter making the case for why our our candidate should win. That's the thing to do right now. I'd much rather argue about these candidates than the other candidates that we can be arguing uh, about. <laughs> this is the real debate. Yes, Unless anybody, unless anybody has anything else to add, I think that's going to wrap us up for for this week's episodes. Yeah, I think that's it. I, I've made my case for now. Uh, I think we all made pretty strong cases yep. for for our, our contenders, and, and it's it's going to be a tough one. Well, I'm going to create um, a poll, and I'm going to set it up where it'll end a night a day before our next episode, before perfect. we a, a, a day before we record again. Excellent. So if if you're listening to this, be sure to go find that poll on Twitter and tell us who you think should be the fourth superhero on the superhero Mount Rushmore. All right. Well, that's going to do it for tonight's episode of the Science Fictionary Podcast. Marisha, where can people find you online? You can find me at my website, princessesandpadawans.com. You can find me on Instagram at princesses underscore and underscore padawans and i am p padawans on twitter all right david you guys can find me on twitter and instagram at stay underscore creative dd and on my youtube channel creative dnd all right and i'm andrew gore you can find me running the twitter account for this show at sci underscore fictionary you can drop us a line at science fictionary at gmail.com you can find me on our other show, it's Coruscant Radio Underground, our weekly Star Wars podcast. You can find us as well as the rest of our Red 5 podcast family at red5network.com and at Red 5 Network on Twitter. And until next time, the truth is out there. <laughs>